everyone, welcome to the This or That podcast. Welcome back to the This or That podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be covering the murder of Heyman Lee that happened in 1999. So even though this case happened a while back, there's been a lot of different updates and appeals that have meant that the most recent and up-to-date news that we have has only just finished in 2019. And actually, this case was pretty quiet up until 2014, when another podcast called The Serial dedicated its entire first season to covering this case. It unveiled a lot of new information about the case, and this re-inspired interest again into it. Also, following this, Rabia Chaudhry, who's actually a childhood friend of the alleged suspects, co-hosted the 2016 podcast called Undisclosed, The State vs. Adnan Side, where she also reveals a bit more information as well. Now, the reason I say alleged suspect is because whilst the law and the jury believe that they have the perpetrator of the murder, there is still a lot of speculation and controversy surrounding if he is truly the actual one. You'll see later that through the podcast it revealed that a lot of the evidence actually used against the suspect was misappropriately used against him and there's actually no physical evidence tying him down to the actual murder. Now you can be the judge about whether the evidence we talk about in this episode is substantial enough to be used So I'm going to just get started onto the details of the case and then the trial and appeals and finally I'll wrap it up with some other details and information that I found in my research. So Heyman Lee disappeared on the 13th of January 1999 at the age of 18 and was last seen alive in Baltimore County, Maryland. Lee had attended Woodlawn High School that day and had been seen by several people leaving the campus at the end of the school day in her Nissan on her way to pick up her cousin and then to head to work at her local Lens Crafters. But when she failed to pick up her younger cousin from daycare at around 3.15pm, they reported her missing. Baltimore police immediately began investigating her disappearance. On that day, officers called various friends of Heyman Lee's to try and find her, one of which was Adnan Saeed, who was actually her former boyfriend, at around 6.30pm that evening. He said the last time he saw her was around the time classes ended at school. And then at 1.30am, they reached Heyman Lee's current boyfriend, who said he had not seen her that day. And then on the 9th of February, so about a month since her disappearance, Heyman Lee's partially buried body was discovered by a passerby in Neakin Park in Baltimore. There were clear signs of manual strangulation, which made police immediately suspicious that this was a murder rather than an accidental or suicidal death. So a little background into who Heyman Lee was. She was born in South Korea in 1980 and emigrated with her mother Yoon Kim and her brother Yoon Lee to the United States in 1992 to live with her grandparents. Now Lee's father wasn't present as he was actually against emigrating to the US and decided to remain in Korea. So he essentially cut off all contact with the rest of his family with no record of how he actually received the news of Heyman Lee's death. Lee attended the magnet program at Woodland High School where she was an avid athlete who played lacrosse and field hockey and also was a manager of the wrestling team. When her body was found, authorities initially considered a possible connection between the murder of Heyman Lee and the body of another 18-year-old Woodlawn girl called Jade Lambert who had been found strangled in the wilderness just a year prior. But this theory was quickly dismissed when the Baltimore police received an anonymous phone call claiming that Lee's ex-boyfriend, 17-year-old Adnan Said, was responsible for the murder of Heyman Lee. 
Because of this, police filed an application to the AT&T Wireless for call records and 13 cell site locations for Syed's phone. This would show them calls that had been made on that day, to whom he was talking to, for how long they were talking, and most importantly probably, from where. So they were essentially trying to map out his location on the day of the murder. Also, two of Syed's friends, Jay Wilds and Jennifer Bastari, were also questioned. Bastari told investigators that she had received a call from Jay Wilds on the day of Lee's disappearance from Syed's phone. Now, Wilds initially denied having anything to do with the situation, but later he made a claim to the police saying that he had helped Syed bury Lee's body and get rid of her car. Now, some argue that the supposed confession is inconsistent with previous versions of Wilds' accounts regarding the series of events that day. When he was first questioned, Wilds said he went to McDonald's that afternoon, which he then later changed to saying he visited his friend's house during the second interview. So he's made a few changes in his accounts, which has made people question how reliable he really is. In 2014, during the interview, he said that he only lied to the police because he was afraid that Syed would get him in trouble for drug dealing. Now, back to the original timeline, after the records were taken, Syed was arrested on the 28th of February 1999 and charged with first-degree murder. So the trial. Syed's family hired defence attorney Christina Gutierrez to represent him. Syed's first trial began in December 1999, but ended in a mistrial after only three days. According to the Serial Podcast, this happened because the jurors overheard the judge call Gutierrez a liar during a verbal dispute, which is why he then declared a mistrial. Obviously, this is an issue because it could lead to things like bias and stuff, so... Still, Side's family stuck with Gutierrez in the second trial, which began in January 2000. The court records from that trial show that Side confirmed to the police that he and Lee had dated in 1998 and that they had kept it a secret from their parents. Side as a Pakistani-American and Lee as a Korean-American, they both feared negative reactions from their families because of multiple religious and cultural differences. They eventually split in December of 1998. Things only became more complicated when Side found out that Lee had started dating another man which was actually her current boyfriend at the time of her disappearance. Now, because of this, it was believed that jealousy was Side's motive and the assistant state attorney said, quote, solely because of her pride, he chose to kill. Some found the details about the recent breakup and the new boyfriend very suspicious, but others like Rabia Chaudhry, who we mentioned before, believed that Side's confession of these details was just honesty and him revealing details about his romantic life was not some sort of mistake or him being careless as to him revealing the motive to why he killed Heyman Lee. She says, quote, Adnan was just clueless. He was helping the police investigation. He had no idea that he was under suspicion. But the jury believed this hurt pride motive and Lee's personal diary, which was used as evidence in the case, specifically made reference to Side's possessiveness and frames him as being unable to let go of her. On February 25th, 2000, Side was convicted of the murder of Heyman Lee and he was sentenced to life in prison plus 30 years. During the trial, Lee's mother delivered a testimony where she explained her hardships in emigrating from Korea, which was necessary to provide her family with a better life and to give her children a, quote, decent education and a decent future. 
I would like to forgive Adnan's side, but as of now, I just don't know how I could. She said, when I die, my daughter will die with me. As long as I live, my daughter is buried in my heart. So the first of appeals came in 2003, however this one was actually unsuccessful. He then made an appeal in 2010 based on an ineffective assistance of counsel. So this is where he was claiming that Guterres failed to investigate the alibi witness Asia McClan, who maintained that she was talking to Saeed in the library at the time the prosecutors claimed Saeed had attacked Lee in a parking lot located several miles away. But the judge ruled that Gutierrez's decision not to call McClan as a witness was part of her defense strategy rather than an act of incompetence. So this whole issue stemmed from the fact that McClan had sent a letter to Scythe, which is where she detailed that she was talking to him in the library. But the judge also said that it was never actually specified the actual time she saw him. And somehow this letter contradicted Scythe's own account of that day. Then the next appeal was on the 6th of February 2015. Maryland Court of Special Appeal approved Side's application and Side's lawyer C. Justin Brown said that a newly discovered document showed that the cell tower evidence used by the prosecutors was misleading and should not have been used. Now the serial podcast unveiled the fact that the initial cell phone tower evidence used was wrong because only outgoing calls were reliable for giving a location status. Incoming calls will not be considered reliable information. Now the initial prosecution used two phone calls which allegedly placed Saeed at the scene at 7.09pm and 7.16pm. But the issue here is that they were incoming calls which meant that the location given from these calls was not reliable in terms of a valid location status of where Scythe was that day. So because of this, in 2015, they decided to reopen the trial and the new hearing lasted between the 3rd to the 9th of February 2016. The court allowed a trial saying that McClan's testimony could have raised reasonable doubt in at least one juror's mind. But the prosecutors and attorney general reversed this decision saying that McClan's statement would not have changed the outcome of the case. The final appeal that has happened was on the 25th of November 2019. Side provided the serial podcast with his timeline of events. He said he went to his photography and English classes and then he called his friend Jay Wilde, offering to lend him his card during his lunch period. Wilde then dropped Side back off at school where he had a free period and then arrives late to his psychology class, which started at 12.50pm, but his teacher notes that he entered at 1.27pm. After class, he goes to the Woodland Public Library to check his emails, and this is where he spoke to Asia McClan. He then goes to track practice, and Wilds picks him up, and the two go to a friend's house. It's while he's there that the police call Scythe, asking if he knew where Lee was. Now Saeed told the police that he was supposed to get a ride from Heyman Lee but he got detained at school and felt that she had just got tired of waiting and left. Saeed then picks up food on his way to meet his dad at the mosque for evening prayers. That's what the serial podcast reported but the information about when police called him asking if he had seen Heyman Lee that day and the fact that he was at a friend's house was revealed in the 2019 appeal. So that's why I thought I'd put it in now, just so it gives a clear, most up-to-date timeline of his supposed series of events on the day. 
So again, in this 2019 appeal, the Supreme Court of the United States rejected Side's appeal for a new trial, stating, quote, the evidence linking Side to Lee's murder is overwhelming. We remain confident in the verdict that was delivered by the jury and are pleased that the justice for Heyman Lee has been done. So his 2019 appeal was rejected. Now, I personally don't fully understand how they got to this decision, especially with the two statements that I've just read. First of all, there's no physical evidence of him being there, which for me is pretty damning within itself. You know, there was no blood, there was no uh, fingerprints, especially with the strangulation. Nothing was there. The only thing that they sort of had was Wilde's testimony, but of course that's not completely reliable anyway. I also struggled to see how the initial prosecution didn't know that incoming calls didn't count, or even that Side's defence team didn't pick up on that. And then also when it was picked up on why the jury still believe it, it's just layers upon layers. There's no physical evidence tying him to it. His location was not there. Now, I don't know if they then were able to see, maybe track the fact that he was there. So I don't know if they then were able to use some other location data, but I struggle to see why the juries didn't believe in another alternative or perpetrator. So some more information that I found in my research was that McClan's testimony where she said that she saw Scythe in the library until 2.40 was disregarded because it contradicted the co-manager of the wrestling team statement where they said that Scythe had been speaking to Heyman Lee until about 3 p.m. So obviously there's a clear contradiction here. McClan saying that she saw Side in the library until 2.40 and then the co-manager says that he had been speaking to Heyman Lee at about 3 p.m. So there's a 20 minute gap there at minimum. Now in this supposed conversation that Side had with Heyman Lee, he said he would join her at the wrestling match that evening, but it was said that there was actually no wrestling match that evening. So either the co-manager or McClan was either mistaken or lying. Again, something that is questionable as I mentioned is Wilde's testimony. He gave inconsistent claims and changed his stories many times. It was said also that he was keen on taking the about 3000 dollar reward money for any information that would lead authorities to arrest someone which is why some people think that he said some of the things he did about side just so he could get this reward money i also read that he was able to lead authorities to where Heyman lee's car was because if you remember he said that he helped side bury Heyman lee's body and then get rid of her car but i also read that apparently authorities already knew where it was and they sort of like fed him information so it seemed like he was the one to lead them to where the car was. I only read this on like one or two places so I don't know how accurate that actually is. So Rabia Chaudhry wrote a book which is called Adnan's Story, The Search for Truth and Justice. In there she asserts that Syed's trial was flawed because of how blinded authorities were by his Muslim faith. She said quote, they weren't able to find evidence that Adnan was a violent boyfriend or that he had a history of being abusive so they had to pull in his religion as a substitute. She goes on to say they had to demonize an entire community by arguing that because Adnan is Muslim, he had the potential to do this. Bearing in mind that this case happened in 1999, and America, along with many other countries, judiciary system is very flawed and biased and racist. So it doesn't sound completely out there and completely alien to 
see that this might be a possible issue. Like, as I said, some of the evidence that we've discussed in this episode, how they're still able to believe that he's the one that did it. There might be some deep-rooted bias there or racism in there. This issue is something that I did read on a few sources and people have brought up. And again, like I said, it's not completely alien that it could be a possibility. Maybe, and you'll see this in a lot of past cases, that when the police don't have an alternative or can't find any strong leading evidence or a strong leading suspect, often the police will pin it on a possible suspect, maybe somebody who's linked to it, and then sort of run with that rather than looking for evidence on on a broader scale of things they will try to find evidence that will specifically link that person to the murder or to the crime you know they might again look at location status if they're a few miles away could they have driven and got to the location of the crime is that possible rather than thinking oh actually well so and so was located at that exact point but we need to do a bit more of deeper looking to see and find out that information. So essentially they'll just try to find evidence that will pin that person to the crime scene if they're struggling to to find a leading suspect. And that's happened loads in the past, you know, that's, that's not a secret to anyone really. And so it could be that Scythe was one of these people, you know, he spoke in confidence about his romantic relationship with, with Heyman Lee, the complications that came because of that. There could have been a manipulation of evidence in there, you know, maybe the police asked Scythe do you know her current boyfriend and he's like yeah oh okay that means that he was jealous you know so there can be manipulation that always happens in any case that you have now i'm not saying that the police force and the juries were racist or pinpointed or targeted sides because he was muslim all i'm saying is that i don't think it's a completely alien or out there idea there could be a strong possibility in it and it could hold a lot of validity something else that i read was that it was discovered in 2019 in the the HBO documentary called The Case Against Adnan Syed was that Syed rejected a plea bargain in 2018 that would have required him to plead guilty in exchange for a shorter sentence. Had he taken that plea deal, he would have been in jail for less, but he stuck with what he has maintained this whole time saying that he's been innocent and because of that he's in prison for longer now. In 2016 the Lee family still believe that Saeed was the one who killed their daughter saying that it is now quote more clear than ever. Okay so that's pretty much a wrap off all the trials and the appeals and of course as I said there is a lot of controversy and speculation about whether Saeed is the one who actually committed this crime and with that comes theories. One theory of course is that Side simply could just not get over Heyman Lee moving on and having another boyfriend. I don't know how complicated this new relationship was but Side's and Lee's relationship was quite complicated because of their cultural and religious differences so you know that could be a cause of frustration if Heyman Lee wasn't having any issues with her new boyfriend and seemingly moved on quite quickly. The jealousy motive could definitely be prominent. Now, some believe that Side and Wilde actually committed the act together 
and that Wilds turn on Sides. Some say that Side was going to try and frame Wilds for it, but that Wilds just got to the authorities first. One of the big reasons why Wilds' name is so often brought up in connection with the case is because, as I said, he led the police to Heymindy's car. A lot of people believe that Wilds wouldn't know where their car was if he wasn't involved. And then since Wilds had no apparent motive to kill Heymindy and Side arguably does the jealousy motive. It's why the side's name is often entwined with his. This is where that theory that I mentioned earlier was created, the one about the police knowing where the car was and them just feeding information to Wilds about it. Now some raised questions about Heyman Lee's current boyfriend who expressed romantic interest in one of Heyman Lee's friends while she was still missing. However, her boyfriend did have an alibi that he was at work, but then it was discovered that the manager of the store that he was working at was his mum. And authorities failed to interview any of his co-workers to confirm that he was working on that day. Now the final theory is the one that I personally think is, if any of these theories are true, this is probably the one. And this alternative suspect is the passerby who found Heyman Lee's body. Now they refer to him as Mr. S. So he says that he was drinking and driving near Leakin Park where he realized he had to urinate. Then when he got out of the car, he went out to do his thing. And this is when he found the body. Now, authorities were initially suspicious of him and especially about how far he had walked out. He walked about 127 feet away from his car just to take a wee in a park by himself, especially drunk as well, I don't know. However, he was cleared when he passed a polygraph test and the reason he said that he walked away so far was for privacy. And also it probably was dismissed once I got that phone call about how the police should be suspicious of Adnan Saeed. But it's also important to remember that polygraph tests are not reliable. They're also not used as evidence in trials anymore. Also, um, I think since 1922, pre-polygraph lie detector tests could not be used as evidence because they're just too unreliable. Loads of factors affect the readings that are detected on these tests, like nervousness of any kind could increase the chances of the test saying that this person is lying. Another issue again has to do with law enforcement problems and biases. So some polygraph administrators are given training on how to provide or to give a false positive response or to ask questions in a way that makes it really difficult to answer with a simple yes or no. Often it's really hard to just ask a question to then just say yes or no to without giving any specifics and obviously the lie detector can't pick up on specifics like if you were they might ask you like were you at McDonald's at 9 p.m oh yeah I was but actually I wasn't in McDonald's I was in the car park I was meeting a friend there or something like that like they can't pick up on those specifics so you have to just either respond with yes or no which makes it really difficult so I don't really know why they gave that as a reason to why they don't suspect him Mr S I think it's probably just because of the fact that they got the they got that phone call and this is sort of just an extra reason but who knows it's just a thing to know that you can definitely question the reliance of polygraph tests in general so those are pretty much all the mainstream theories covered 
Again, the last one seems the most likely in my opinion, and it's also the one that most people believe as an alternative. So that covers everything for this case. I hope you guys found it interesting. Let me know if you knew about this case before and any ideas or theories that you might have. Do you think it was Adnan's side or not? And was the evidence just too flawed and misleading to be used? Let me know via Instagram or email, both of which will be in the description of this episode. And once again, thanks for tuning in to the This or That podcast. Yeah.